you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I want to talk about Merlin Olson at some point when we have more time. I love to talk about names, obviously. Optimistic parents. A baby comes out, and you decide, let's name him after a fictional medieval wizard. I have a cousin called Merlin. No way. Not, yeah, true. Not magical. At all. I mean, he's, he's all right, but he's not. He's, he's all right. But he's no magician. David. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? Hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 85 of the Dave Damashek football program. Available as always on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. And now nfl.com. Slash Sheck, S-H-E-K. Even easier for you to track down all the hooey and applesauce. And I encourage you, nay, demand that you do so. And uh, seated to my immediate right to to yap about football and beyond from NFL.com and NFL Network. Adam Rank, what's the poop, fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. And um, and a fitting um, episode number for us, 85, what with uh, Chad 85 dominating the football headlines this week and uh, also starting off with us here in studio 66 along with the man behind the glass black tie look who it is all the way from england it's handsome hank he's handsome hank from england handsome from england he's handsome hank from england handsome from england he's handsome hank from england handsome from england his name is handsome hank he's handsome hank he's handsome hank he's handsome hank Hello, handsome. How are you? Very well indeed, Dave. How are you? Good. Well, I hope you're better than uh, Chad eighty five. Tough. Uh, what well, a obviously week. tough. Tough real, uh, real life stuff for him, and more directly or, or more accurately, I guess, tough stuff for his wife or soon to be yes. ex wife. But then it all plays out on reality TV. <laughs> Ironic, considering that he covets a reality right. show mm-hmm. um and then he gets uh you know indirectly winds up on this hard knocks reality show yeah. and now gets fired 
It's, uh, I mean, it couldn't have I really... I mean, you, obviously, it's terrible what happened to begin with, and, sure. and we, you can't make light of that stuff, but... Um, Want me way, to try? Well, I, I'm sure you can. Um, but the way that it turned out for him, that that's about as ugly a week as you could possibly have, and it's still only Wednesday, so, I mean, who knows what's up, up next for him. Now, Rank, you don't have the HBO? I do not. We used to have HBO. When we first got it, I remember, in Pittsburgh, we had one of those... Uh, uh, this, this will... Uh, significantly date me, but when we, we first got it, you had like five ch- total channels on a kunk, kunk, kunk kind of TV mm-hmm. that you had to turn manually. There was no such thing as remote controls and a remote control. But then there was a little box that you had on top of your TV, and you would flip a switch to get HBO. It was like Into a special thing. Yeah, it was yeah, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was very strange. But anyway, so Hard Knocks, uh, the most recent episode. I'm sure you're aware now whether you have HBO or not. Chat 85 gets canned by Joe Philbin, and this is going to go down as one of the all-time moments, if not the all-time moment in the history of this already tremendous reality show. What were what were your reactions to it? Black Tie, you saw it as well? I did, yep. I'll thank you for your, uh, for your thoughts on this. Um, two, I, to me, first of all, I got to say, Joe Philbin, a guy who is no stranger to some seriously bad stuff himself in uh, in 2012, man, he just did not seem up for doing what he had to do, which was to cut, was to release Chad 85. And Chad 85 walks into the office and announces, I know what you're going to do. I know what we're what, what we're about to do. You're going to fire me. And yet Joe Philbin still struggled like a like a high school boyfriend trying to break up with right. his girlfriend sheepishly like, i mean i don't i don't i mean it's not it's not you really it's not what happened it's not it has nothing to do with any of that stuff it's just i don't know if this is good for you I, or i don't know it was so it, it was so uncomfortable to watch not just because the guy the, the guy was getting fired but the guy doing the firing was was so awkward about doing it well i think it, w- it may well have been the first time that joe philbin had done that job because you know up mm-hmm. until this is his first year as a head coach They've been. I think they've. The team's probably cut one other player. Traditionally, if you get cut and you're a low-level player, you don't get the courtesy of a meeting with the head coach. You get. Um, you get a scout comes to your room, takes your playbook away, puts you in a car, and takes you to the airport. That's it. So Chad Johnson may well have been the first person he'd ever cut, and he had to do it on very high-profile TV with a very high-profile player having gone through a very high-profile event. So. I'm not surprised he struggled. I mean, I, I'm surprised he struggled with it as much as he actually did, but I'm not surprised it was a struggle of some kind for him. I, yeah, I'm almost surprised that it required the ceremony of a face-to-face conversation. I mean, the guy just got well, arrested. They're on TV. After a warning, I suppose, maybe if I mean, the uh, you could be, you know, TV uh, cynical because of uh, the influence of, of the TV show, but it seems like that could be trumped by the organization just saying, come on, this is a... Uh, no, you know, Chad eighty five's been accused of a serious crime, and uh, you know we we had on camera last week the head coach giving him a warning. You better you know Pay to, be on the the straight and narrow. I'm just going to dump him over the phone. But the fact that he had to come in there, Rank. What do you think about first of all? In general, I think the head coach should be doing this. I don't understand yes. when we, I mean over the years what we've seen on Hard Knocks is different organizations do it. Can play some like you know Jerry Jones. 
people mm-hmm. people make their comments about Jerry Jones disparaging and otherwise, but you got to give him credit. He's the owner of the team, and he sits down with every guy who gets the boot. Rex Ryan went face to face. Cincinnati, on the other hand, had some you know Turk knock on the door under the cloak of night before <laughs> right. the sun even came up. Get your playbook. Get out of here. Well, you stumbling, miserable in the middle of the night. You're sore and exhausted, and then you're you're getting your head lopped off on top of it. As I've said before, I'll say it again. I just wouldn't give the playbook back. I oh, I don't know where it is. I misplaced it, you know. And then you say, you can't, "Can you not technically release me until I give you the playbook?" You hang on to that thing. Mid October, suddenly everybody's forgotten that you were cut at one point. You're still on the team. Rank. The worst, it sounds like a sitcom. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just one. forgot my playbook. Yeah. <laughs> the worst one about those ones is that I always thought those guys are sharing rooms. So you hear that knock at five a.m. Oh yeah, and it's like this guy's oh. now my buddy. But I'm kind of wishing, I'm not even kind of, I'm hoping that it's him being cut. Plus, Absolutely. wouldn't that make, it, it seems counterproductive to the organization to, to operate in that manner. Because once you get a sense that this is how they do business, that they are going to knock on your door, door in the middle of the night, then you'd be nervous laying in bed. You'd rest uneasy. Then you won't be right for practice the next day because you're tossing and turning. No and wonder the Bengals have stunk for so long. Yeah, they should sleep in somebody else's room. Would that be as good as, as losing your playbook? <laughs> hey, can I crash here tonight? I dropped five passes today. I've always tried that. I try, you know, I try to avoid the world by not answering the phone. They know yeah. I'm there. I just don't answer the phone. But then it gives you a built-in excuse. You just hide under the bed in your dorm room. With, what can what they do? What do they do? Yeah, if you're hiding, they're going to be like, you know what? I guess we're going to have to keep them. If you're a head coach, Rank, are you making the cuts yourself? Yes. Even with in the situation of Chad 85, would you call him in and face-to-face yap with him? I'm sure producers were in their ears going, you have to bring him in. I'm I sure don't Philbin- believe that. Do you really? really? You guys really think I, that, that you, you, think act, that, you, would, you, you think would, the HBO producers have enough sway to dictate to an NFL coach, you must do this on camera? I've got to say this real fast because this is a pet peeve of mine. NFL Films actually puts the show together. A lot of people say, oh, HBO producers. Uh-huh. Actually, NFL Films. Sure, okay, you're right, you're right. Just, just putting that out there. All right, that's fine. A fair don't point. Cut this, don't cut this part out of the show. That's a good point. But if you were out of – The if, one time – TD makes a, a, a salient point on the show. He wants it cut out. Wants it cut With out. Timeout. Timeout. No, no, no. That's in the show. Oh, that's, okay. That's on. That's on the record, so people know. I know, but when you call a timeout, it might indicate that I, we're stopping. I almost started cussing up a storm. <laughs> now listen, black tie. NFL Films, HBO, or other. Or listen, we're, as NFL Network, NFL.com employees, we have great access to the players and to the coaches and to the organizations really unparalleled but they can still say no to a lot of stuff and they do say st- okay, wait. no to some well, stuff hold on, hold why on. would they have access to why why would nfl films get to do it as well, hey, i'm right. going to raise my hand like horshack and try to interject uh, you talk about you talk about the uh, the owner who's signed up to be on hard knocks who's brought in gloria Estefan. Jennifer Lopez, oh, Mark. No, he's he's um he's he's looking for the limelight. He's looking to be like bringing all these celebrities and everything, and trying to turn up the profile of the Dolphins. You don't think he's like, oh no, you're doing this on camera. You don't have a choice. No, I, I don't think he's like I, that. I, I, I can't I, believe that. I, that I, I can't, oh believe, I can't believe that that's the case. But I can't. How naive be- are you guys? I can't believe you that- work in television. How? 
How do so you not do you. Get this? What the, I that, Don't that's you have them. from personal experience? Haven't you grown to understand that yes. you can get some things that you want as no. uh, on the TV side, but the coaches and the GM and above can yeah. shut plenty of stuff down? If and Coach Golden sure still wants to coach the Dolphins, he's going to do what the owner but says. But why, why would he not want to? Just explain to me why he wouldn't want to do this on TV. Why, well, I because mean, why, it's because, no. uh, because I don't think I don't think he is built as a guy, and not the, that that's necessarily a bad thing as a human being. I don't like being the axe man. I know a few people who actually I've talked with people who enjoy the experience of firing people, which probably says something right. not so great about them. But by the way, well, how long does that go? The the owner dictates, and that's how it has to be. So if the owner said. Our starting quarterback in 2012 is Dieter Brock. We have to, we have to sign. I, I just wanted to get that one in. That was organic. That's, uh, that's the. <laughs> that was not organic. That was organic. That was overruled. You cannot overrule it's, it. It's not, not yours to judge, Black Tie. If you took It'll that to a farmer's by, market and said this, this, this is organic, they would, they'd send you straight back to the supermarket with it. We try you, to work in. It. We try to work I, in Dieter Brock whenever also, possible into the show, and we've just done it. And I get the point. Wait and a minute. Well, that what works. about what about when you when you take on somebody's setup? Well, I thought that was the thing of like you can't take somebody's setup and then jump in when I'm about when what I'm poised. Because you asked me if I would want to cut somebody. Would you want to do that if you were the I coach? I asked you that five minutes ago. I, I said, how far does it go that the owner's dicta- that the owner I, can dictate what has to be? Because my whole thing was going to be like I wanted to cut. Yes, because I'd want to tell Dieter Brock to his face. But then you jumped in and interceded and Black Tie called a timeout. And I don't know what's going on. You know what happens in football, enough. Adam? In the sport of football, there's something called an interception. And that's what you just experienced. Oh, fair enough. That's right. All right. I didn't jump in mid-sentence when you were about to say the name, Dieter Brock. Anyway, if you're confused by what's going on, this is something we do on each show. We try to get Dieter Brock's name in there organically, and now I have. Now back to the point. By the way, I saw that, and I'm excited about that. And Black Tie, (laughs) I'll thank you to track Mr. Brock down and get him on the show ASA and P. Now back to what we were talking about. I just don't think that Joe Philbin is that doesn't uh, apparently seem to be the sort of guy who enjoys those sorts of confrontations. Right. Like, I, like the word that, I, that keeps coming to mind is sheepish, his handling of it with Chad 85. And in general, you know, you're a Dolphins fan, Handsome, so I don't want to upset you or, or, you know, get pessimistic before the regular season even kicks off. But I, I find it hard to imagine many Dolphins fans feel inspired about the short-term future watching this. He doesn't... Really? Do you, I mean, do you I, feel I good about do. it? I I What I liked about him more from episode one than episode two was that the way he handled Chad Johnson then when he had his kind of uh, man-to-man talk mm-hmm. during practice was uh, that he treated him like a man. He, you know, he wasn't treating him as he said, he, he said, kind of, this is what I expect of you. You're a grown man and you should be able to abide by these pretty simple rules. Now, as it turns out. Chad Johnson probably isn't a grown and I don't mean this disparagingly mentally may not be a grown man in fact he may be a child but um, if I was a player I'd want to be treated like an adult rather than ordered around and shouted at and all the things that other coaches you know maybe have had success with I suppose he comes from the world of that's his Tony Dungy style or Mike McCarthy Mike McCarthy style yeah where he came from you, you, you guys are grown men. If you can't handle the, um, you know, the things that we ask you to do as grown men, then you probably don't belong on this team. And and there were hints of that the whole way through uh, that episode. It, what, yes, uh, you know, he said this isn't just about the arrest, but 
you know, there was a part where he's um, talking to Bob Greasy and Greasy asked him, uh, you know, are all the receivers, do, do they know all the positions? And he said, yes, apart from Chad, he doesn't, doesn't know how to play inside. Gerard was talking about, um, you know, Chad doesn't know what he's doing on this play. Look at him, he's just running around waving. Um, you know, it's clear that there was more to it than just... I think it was valid, yes. I think you could cut him based purely on what he was doing right. or not doing out on the football field. But I also thought it was interesting when Philbin says to him in the in their meeting that this has nothing to do with what happened, referring to the the. It's not. He said, he said the, it's not just about that. Actually, he, he didn't say it's just about that. He said it's got. Hasn't, he didn't say it's got nothing to do with it. He said it's not just that. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay, then I mi- I misheard that. Um, I feel like either way. Do you feel that I th- I, if there was any part of it that was strategical, it was that? I feel like he wanted to set a standard that allows him to wiggle out of if, say, you know, a star player, let's say Ryan Tannehill got in trouble for, right. for something, he's not going to cut Ryan Tannehill. Well, I Des, Bryant, it, you know, Des Bryant wasn't cut in Dallas this year when he did something similar to his mother. I mean, it, what it comes down to is that Chad Johnson's 34 years old. Probably, you know, he dropped a pretty key third down pass in his in the only throw that he got in the first preseason game. Clearly, he'd had a problem with um, Philbin the week before when he told him to stop swearing and everything else. And you know, it wasn't it's not just this one thing. And yes, you can get away with it if you're incredibly talented and you're 24. If this was but eight years ago, if this yeah, was eight Chad years Johnson's ago, and he's cut. a Pro Bowler, he didn't get cut. You think so? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I thought that first of all, we knew. Uh, Chad was rubbish if you watched him play in, in 2011. It's almost impossible. Are you so sure about that? Like, one yes. Thing did, one thing yes. that jumped out to me, Hank, is, was the He battles. caught nine passes Wait, from Tom Brady battles, last year. The battles between him and cornerback Steve Smith. Sean Smith, yeah. Sean Smith, yes. Those look pretty good. Like, I feel like especially it could have helped both players. Like, those battles seem like it could have had some legs during the season, them going up against each other week after week, practice after practice. He looked okay. I mean, did he look great? He looked, yeah, I, lo- but he yeah. looked all right. I understand that he that in New England didn't work out because he didn't know the offense, and Tom Brady had other guys to go to. So, given the dearth of receivers in Miami, it's pretty clear that he would have got more than nine receptions because who else are they throwing the ball to? But he's not. He's thirty four years old. He's at the back end of his career. There's no disgrace to say at thirty four he's not as good as he was six years ago. Do you? I, I can't get a good read though on Philbin because now Chad will go off into the sunset. I, I, I generally can't stand when commentators and insiders declare, who, who do you ever think is going to touch that guy again? Who do you think would ever touch? I mean, five years ago, the conversation was, you think Mike Vick's ever going to be on an NFL mm-hmm. team? What GM do you think would ever take a shot on that guy? Listen, like to, to your point, if a guy can still play, then somebody out there is going to yeah. take a chance on him. We've seen that with Pac-Man Jones and T.O. and Randy Moss and so on. Um, but Chad, 85, Combined with this nonsense, yeah, he just he just plum stinks at this point. And I, I say that this time, I really do think that's it. He's not coming back into the NFL. Really? Way to put yourself out, Dave. No, wait. Thank before you. we get to that, to... though, I spoke to you about this before the show, Dave. What do you think? Do you think he should have been cut? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Do you think he should have been cut? I don't think don't... he should have been signed in the first place. Don't I'm the wrong jokes. guy to ask. Give us the hard hitting news. <laughs> I don't think I like I said like I said uh, in the office, who why would you want this guy? You really would have to be desperate to go out and get a 34-year-old man who caught uh, who actually caught 15 passes in a Patriots offense that never runs the ball 
uh, that this guy is going to somehow be your salvation. It was a ridiculous move to begin with. I don't know why they would do this with a guy. That's the the thing that I'm getting back to. I can't get a good read on Philbin because because you know he comes from Mike McCarthy, who who couldn't be a more sort of uh, you know mon- monotone, quiet sort of presence. So maybe that's the the same thing he's doing. But you, you could tell the other big scene, the other scene that stood out to me from Hard Knocks this week was when the rookie gets his head shaved in into uh, and it's in the shape of uh, genitals on his head and he has to turn around and he shows that the, the whole team and the team goes crazy for it the team go it's the funniest thing they've ever seen in their lives and i must say it was a pretty good job actually of depicting it was, it. It yeah, was. pretty good job of depicting it but anyway you could tell Philbin didn't like it at all. But, I, see, but the room erupted with such glee that he had no choice but to sort of go along with it. He was ready to say, what What the hell is going on here? And then he realized, oh, I better not, or I'm no, such no, no, a heel wait. that I'll completely lose I, I disagree. Everything I've heard about him is he has a very dry sense of humor. And I think he said something like, whoa, this is a really classy organization. Yeah. In the same way that Adam Rank might make a very dry statement. And if you took it, you know, if you read it, you'd be like, whoa, what's his problem? But I think he just has a dry sense of humor and he's having fun with it. You did? All right. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I just, I, I'll tell you, I came away from that. I Going into the sit down with Chad 85, I didn't have a whole lot of respect for the guy. But coming away from it, I kind of felt, I, not, not a lack of respect, but I didn't feel like Philbin came off like the commanding presence you would expect from an NFL head coach. But realize he is doing this on camera. It's, it, right. It's conceivable he's never done it before face-to-face with a high-profile guy like that, and he has to do it on camera. I could understand him being well, a little some bit. Guys, if he, some guys are, bo- are made to be that their their highest plane is coordinator, and it takes another thing. Uh, as a, you know. I, do you I agree with Belich- you. I went through it with, with Cam Cameron as the Dolphins head coach, but I'll say right now that I don't think we can judge whether um, Joe Philbin is that guy on the fact that he didn't do a great job of cutting um, But you Chad admit Johnson. it was weird watching it. Was it was weird, but on the other hand, if, you know, we how many how many high-profile players are we, you know, you've watched in on Hard Knocks, you watch backup punters get cut and stuff like that, and it's it's fine. If, if, he'd, if he'd walked in and he'd said, Chad, you're cut, get out of my office, we'd think he's callous and cold. And no, be, I wouldn't. Be, no, I would do, I would cut every guy who came in. I, I would cut every rookie, every free agent. I would do, I would do it face to face, even though I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't right. desire the moment I would do Imagine it. Imagine I'm a rookie. Cut me. Cut, well, you know what? I think you need to walk in. Let's, uh, let's actually cut black tie. Okay. I think that'll be more fun. <laughs> oh, no. but he hey, might take, he might is, think yeah. it's for real. Go, go not, close people to are going to enjoy this way too much. <laughs> I don't think we've learned a lot here from this discussion, but um, but anyway, well, here's the good news: we have uh, the a uh, a guy, a Pro Bowler coming up here in just a second, Lamar Woodley. Quickly, though, fellas, um, I want to yap about the team from the other side of the Keystone State, the Philadelphia Eagles, in our continuing series where we name the uniform, where we name the player jersey that fans of that team would be well served to own. Now, in this world, in this economy, it'd be great to own 78 different jerseys of your favorite team, but you can't, you know. They cost a lot of they cost a lot of loot. Speaking of jerseys, I got to make mention of the fact that the great uniform list of 2012 is coming out very soon. I, very I, shortly. I, I'm toiling um you know, it, with each passing second, it gets closer to being unveiled there. So be on the lookout for that at NFL.com. But um, anyway, what is the one jersey 
if you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan, that their history is long and pretty rich, but mm-hmm. you know, not not a ton of winning throughout, but still a lot of great players in history. Who would you most want to have? And I'm going to start with you, Adam Rank. I would wear number sixty for Chuck Bednarik. You get that classic green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yep. that's pretty neat. Pretty I, ran, neat. I ran in uh, a couple of, like, God, this had to be about 10, 15 years ago because I was pretty young. I was at a Super Bowl party, street party, you know, and there was an Eagles fan wearing number 60. And I turned to my buddy, who is an Eagles fan, and I'm like, hey, uh, I think this guy's wearing number 60 for Chuck Bed and Eric. And the guy goes, who? And Oof. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're done as an Eagles fan. And then I became that guy's best friend because he was excited that I I'm trying recognized to, it. But I, then Concrete Charlie. That's that's listen, that's it's, great. It's tough. Randall Cunningham's awesome. twelve would be nice. Yep. Reggie White people will certainly 92. throw out there. Thirty one Wilbert Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the feature back in the one Eagles team before Donovan McNabb's mess in uh, against the uh, you know, since he when he vomited on the field against the Patriots, the only other appearance by the Eagles in the Super Bowl way back in fifteen when they lost to the Raiders, that thirty one. Black tie, how say you? I would go with number twenty. Weapon X, aka Brian Dawkins. Usually I go with something fun, nice. something I like unique. That. But Brian Dawkins is one of the few players I actually like. I love this energy. Pretty cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Handsome. I, I like Randall Cunningham. He's one of my all-time favorites. Harold Carmichael as well. 17, yeah. Yeah, 17. So that's pretty cool. If you wanted um, to go the same era as Chuck Bednarik but didn't like the 60, because it's, you know, somebody who's built like me can, can carry can out the 60s. Like 60. we've talked about, yeah. I would go uh, 25 with Tommy McDonald. Pretty good. Yep. Pretty good. I, you know, How I about Roger those... Ruzak, too, which I think you, you um, facially resemble Roger. I don't think bit. that's much of a compliment. No, it, it, it's not. A, it's not. It's not not a compliment. What about um, uh, you know? I think uh, like uh, just like I said with the Dolphins, that a number thirteen Jake Scott would be cool because mm-hmm. it predates Dan Marino, thereby proving that you've been a fan for a very long time. What about if you go with a number seven Eagles, Ron Jaworski? Ooh, Jaws, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I think you go uh, for me. I go Jaws. Or Harold Carmichael. I love the 17. It's almost odd that when you look up Harold Carmichael, and if you aren't familiar with him, he was, uh, I think he, st- he started playing in the late 60s and finished in the early 80s. I think that's about yeah. the span of his career. If you look up his numbers, he was six foot eight and would catch all the jump balls. He was Plexico Burris before Plexico Burris or any of the other big targets like that. But when you look up his numbers, he wasn't as prolific as he should have right. been, really. Right. It seemed like it was a, it was a gimme. A catch every single time he went up for it. It's mm. look up his numbers, and I know it's a passing but week he used now to more go than up it against, used to be. But. Um, there were those great battles. Is it Pat Fisher, the Redskins corner, who's yep. like five four? Yeah, and they used to have these incredible battles between guys like David and Goliath. Doesn't say apart much from, for Harold Carmichael's right, talent from, that he couldn't exactly. Have. Apart from Fisher, he used to win fifty percent of them. It's like how did that happen? All right, so let's uh, – well, we'll put it to a vote, Black Tie. Do, I just want to make sure we don't forget anybody. Do we need a modern-day guy? Do we ne- need Mike Vick? Do we need Brian Mike Westbrook? Quick. I think Brian Westbrook is the unsung guy from those teams that went to all those mm-hmm. NFC title games in a row. Donovan McNabb was sort of the star of those teams. I think now, in hindsight, especially – I mean, five years ago you would hear something different. But now, as much as he got beaten up on the in the local radio shows at the time – I think in hindsight now people are sort of like, oh, Donovan McNabb, I guess, wasn't that great. True or false? Or do you yeah, think, think people in Philly Eagles admire him? would want more Mike Vick than McNabb. It just feels that way. I feel like they love Vick way more than they ever loved McNabb. 
Yeah, I, I kind of buy that. You know, obviously, if he get and, and it, it's you would say, well, it's because he lost so many times. But Mike Vick hasn't won anything since he took over there. Um, I like Mike Quick though. Is a is a good Mike answer. Quick, what was he number eighty? Eighty two. Eighty two. Yeah, yeah. Cut the I cut a ninety nine yard touchdown in overtime. Ooh, what Randall about uh, Jerome Brown? Did we mention him? Oh uh, yeah, the late uh, another great uh, uh, defensive lineman for those guys. There was uh, I'm just thinking of one more. Uh, Clyde Bill Simmons. Berge, 66. Bill Berge, Clyde Simmons, yeah, 96. Mm-hmm. All right, so there are a lot of good options for Steve you. Steve Van Buren, you like but man, I, boy, oh boy, you're digging into the annals there. Those are the classic Eagles, classic of course. Eagles, yeah. yeah, they're 19. Did they win in 60. They beat well, 60, but Van Buren was before that. In the fifties, they had, they were winning before the Browns came into the NFL, and they because hmm. they they played the Browns in fifty. I'm pretty sure they lost. I'm, you know how I feel about pre fifty eight football. Sixty. By the time you well, get Bednarik, to sixty, it's legit. Yeah. Bednarik was there in sixty. So yeah, that's when they beat the Packers, the mighty Packers, yeah. and that's I think the the season Lombardi decrees never again. Right? Isn't that the one he says we Something. never lose again? We never lose again. And they beat yeah, and that and then he knocked out Frank Gifford. <laughs> For an entire season. That's right. Okay, so we will put that to a poll for you. You have our opinions there. And uh, right now, let's uh, let's get to my conversation, mine and Rank's. We uh, we caught up with the great pro bowler, Lamar Woodley, to see what's going down in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, at the Steelers training camp. Let's hear that now. All right, Rank, this is very exciting for me personally. Mm-hmm. Nay, for the for football fans everywhere. Anyone who enjoys uh, great defensive football knows this guy from the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 56, the great Lamar Woodley. What's happening, man? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I, I, I don't mind telling you that uh, Rank and myself have been sitting here waiting patiently for your, <laughs> for your phone call. And, uh, and what have you been doing this morning? Well, I mean, actually, I got caught up because um, I'm finishing up um, a few credits I got to, to graduate. Uh, so I was just kind of re- I was reading over my paper before I submitted to the uh, to the professor today. This is what you do at training camp. I, your your job is football, man. You're still trying to graduate from uh, Michigan. Yeah, but I, I think that's important because you know every time somebody actually says, you know, you, you graduated from Michigan. What year did you graduate? Well, all I can say is where. You know, I, I left in 2006, but yeah, I can't say I graduated. But after the day, I can, uh, I'll be able to say that once my grade is submitted. What do you think they're going to do? Go look up your transcripts and be like, hey, wait a minute, he didn't graduate. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, it's, it's life after football. You know, in my football career, there's a few things I want to do. So next year, I'm, next year, I'm actually going back to get my master's. So wow. You know, this for me. In well, what? what? Yeah, I'm in sports counseling. I see. I see. Well, what's your paper on today? I'm kind of curious. Uh, pretty much it was, uh, actually I, I had a few classes to do and, uh, this is, uh, pretty much an autobiography about myself, um, probably about 80 pages. So I'm just kind of just reading through it. Did you open with a joke? Cause I think that would go over well. <laughs> no, it, 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 it wasn't, it, it wasn't a joke, you know, it just, it was, uh, I had a chance to really kind of just reflect back on my life, you know, where, you know, where this all pretty much started from and where I'm at, where I'm at now. Can you imagine? Listen, I'm not patronizing you, Lamar Woodley. Imagine this, though. You're the professor. Yeah. yeah. Th- th- you know, pro bowler Lamar Woodley <laughs> is doing a great deed. You know, he's already doing well in life, obviously, but he's doing a, He's making a great move, not just for himself, but for kids out there. We'll, we'll learn a lesson from him. Can you imagine being the professor and being like, nah, not your best work, C minus? <laughs> 
You know, you got to you got to be at worst a B plus, right? Well, you know what? I, I tell you one thing. Once you once you get that degree, it don't it don't say if you got a C minus or, <laughs> uh, or a B. Here, yeah. <laughs> you got your degree. So hey, when I was really when I was down south of you in Big Ten country at Indiana University, that is exactly the philosophy I apply too. Like, yeah, as long as I as long as they don't flunk me out, I'm 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 okay. Nobody's going to be looking at my GPA. Um, All right. So, Lamar Woodley, you're very busy with your studies and then with training camp. But most importantly, what's it like trying to operate as a a, a pro team in Pittsburgh when you have uh, the shadow being cast by the mighty Pittsburgh Pirates? I mean, you know, we, we all get our fair, our fair share of love around here in Pittsburgh. You know, um, the football team's been doing great for years. Uh, the, the hockey team's been doing great. You know, uh, the baseball team is now now coming along. So. And it makes us all proud when uh, any team in Pittsburgh is doing great because we're we're all one pretty much one team in one city, and uh, we like to see each other do great. So I'm I'm happy for those guys. Yeah, it is cool. The only thing is for anybody who is on the banks of the Three Rivers, heaven forbid, on a Sunday that there would be a playoff game for the Pirates and a football game for you guys. That the the traffic jam would be uh, apocalyptic. Hey, that that that'd be pretty exciting, right there. I would I would actually love to see that. You know. <laughs> Two games going on at one time. That would be that would be real exciting, right there. I might have to stay downtown that that day after the game to, to enjoy the fun. I was gonna say, yeah, that would be pretty cool. You guys could finish up your game and then uh, and then walk a you know walk the fifty yards or whatever it is to get into PNC Park. All right, let's talk about what's going on with you guys. Last we saw you in a meaningful game, it was in Mile High and uh, and it was Tim Tebow throwing the ball. And then all of a sudden, when the real season gets going, you're going to be right back where you were there. Except the QB might uh, look a little bit different and throw the ball a little bit better. Where uh, well, how are things looking for you guys as you get ready for Week One against? Uh, the Broncos. I mean, at the same at the same time, they're they're going to be looking a little different. We're going to be looking a little different as well because um, all our guys that we had hurt last year, they're going to be back in 100. Um, percent You know, uh, I was 100 percent that game. James Harrison, you know, Casey Hampton went out that game. Brett Kieser went out that game. Uh, so we're going to be back and we're going to be 100 percent ready to play. Uh, so you know, we're going to get back to playing still the defense, and I just think that that's going out there. You know, getting turnovers or getting after the quarterback, um, and that's what we do here. Well, what about that though? Are you are you the? We were talking about it last week here on the show. Peyton Manning is obviously, you know, he's had the neck surgeries, and he's this iconic guy in the league. And you know, the league. Uh, you may have heard that sometimes Commissioner Goodell comes down on James Harrison and uh, some of your teammates. In fact, even you once in a while for being a little too rough on QBs. Any concern or different kind of approach as you go into this uh, into a game against Peyton Manning with the you know missing a season? and the next stuff and everything else, or do you just do it like you always do? Hey, we we do how we always do it because I don't think they players are going to take it easy on us. So, you know, uh, we're going to continue to play football with them. We know uh, how Steelers play football, and we've been doing that for years and decades, and that ain't going to change. And that's the reason that we have uh, six Super Bowls now because we play hard-nosed football, and we have never changed that for anybody. Uh, well, and what about, uh, you know, you say you're going to look a little bit different. Um what about the big change would seem to be Todd Haley going in there? How's everything going? Has he yelled at you yet? Because it seems like he likes to yell at NFL players. Is he everything? Uh, everybody's getting along nicely there, and the offense seems to be getting a grasp of the offense. Hey, you know he hasn't yelled at me, but I don't. I don't care about coaches yelling at me. It's, it's part of the game. I think you know 
NFL players, you know, once we get to the NFL, you know, players seem to get soft and the coach can't yell at them anymore. You know, I'm, I'm used to coaches yelling at me from when I was in uh, junior high, high school, college. It doesn't matter. It's football. So what you get yelled at? All of a sudden you're making a few a few dollars now you can't get yelled at. I mean, it's coaches. They're, they're trying to go out here and win. And you, I, I love coaches that got, you know, passion to, to yell at players and, and tell them to do this, do that. I, I love that kind of stuff. So when my coaches yell at me, I love it. You know, that means they're paying attention to me and they want me to get better because if they wasn't yelling at me, then I'd be worried about it. Mm-hmm. Would it help if we started yelling at you? Would that? <laughs> hey, it, 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 wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all. You know, Win the Super Bowl, Lamar. Go do it. I want you to break the sack record this year. <laughs> Hey, I got, I got, I got a chance to. What I'm like, uh, five or six short from winning, getting the sack record. I'm, I'm right there. That's right. You know what? That's what people forget. Lamar Woodley, about halfway through last season, was on pace for an all-time season in terms of sacks and otherwise with the Steelers. And then the, uh, then the hammy went south on you. How's that feeling? Uh, the, ham, the hamstring is great. Um, I had an opportunity. I worked out with a. Uh, with uh, Mike Barber's down in uh, Plymouth, Michigan this offseason. He did a great job of getting me right, getting my hamstring right, um, working on my flexibility, uh, you know, just kind of building up the muscles around it to make sure that I'm going to pull that hamstring um, again. And so far in camp, I, I've been feeling great and, you know, hopefully that injury won't happen again throughout the season. Let's talk about the defense. And uh, like you say, I think people just look from a distance and say, wow, Tim Tebow exposed the Pittsburgh defense. But the fact is, Casey Hampton, Kiesel, and so on were all out by the end of that game. Ryan Clark didn't even start that game. Um, and uh, what what are from what you can see, how's it coming along in terms of, uh, you know, the, the story has been – the, the Steelers' defense turned old. I, I kind of disagree with that, and it feels replenished now. A, any spot out there that, that needs to be strengthened before the season gets going, uh, by your estimation? Well, you know, actually, you know, I've been a Steelers fan since I was uh, since I was in junior high, and me too. It's been the same talk every year. The Steelers' defense getting old. Uh, when I, you know, when I was in high school and college, the Steelers' defense getting old. When I got on the team, the Steelers' defense getting old. I'm hmm. thinking. Every year, the still defense is too old. Um, so when is the team just right? Either either your team is too old or too young; they haven't developed yet. It's always an excuse, or it's always something people for people to say about a certain team. But every year, um, this old old defense um, consistently be top in every category as a defense. So I wouldn't call that pretty much getting old when you look at the numbers. And, and constantly being in the playoffs and playing in Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls. So if that's the whole team, I'll take that any day. Well, speaking of the defense, though, do you, do you feel like, uh, you know, last year we saw uh, Tom Brady really take it to another level um, in terms of throwing the ball to the tight ends, Gronkowski and Hernandez, and now they've doubled down on that and brought in, I think it's uh, 27 more tight ends for this season, it looks like, on their roster. What uh, what are the Steelers doing? Any talk about how you kind of try to address that? Uh, guys running up the middle of the field, running up that seam on you. What is, uh, what's the secondary looking at? Who's going to step up to take that second spot alongside Ike Taylor? And are the safeties, uh, are you, are you going to play a lot more nickel this year? Uh, to try and uh, cover up those, uh, you know, to try and uh, cover up all those receivers going downfield on you. Honestly, we, here we don't worry about, you know, what other teams are doing for us, who, who they added to their roster, who's out on their team. We just focus on what we go out there and do. We feel like if we go out there and do what we're supposed to do, each player on this team, that we can go out there and win a football game. 
you know, uh, you know, last year when we played against the Patriots, I think we did an excellent job of putting pressure on Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I think we maybe sacked him maybe three times that game. So uh, we went out there and we just played still the football. We wasn't worried about, you know, who, who they had on their roster because when you look at our roster, you know, we're stacked up all across the board as well, whether it's in the, in the front, whether it's in the linebackers, whether it's in the secondary. You know, we have great guys all across the board, and we just feel like if we go out there and play the way that we know we can play, that we can come out on top. One of the things I've always admired about the Steelers is the way you guys handle your business. It always seems when you lose a, a high-profile player, there's always somebody there ready to step up. And so it leads me to the offensive side of the football. Mike Wallace is holding out. What's the situation in camp? Can we expect him back, or are we going to have to look at, like, Antonio Brandon and Emmanuel Sanders just stepping up like Mike Wallace did when you guys lost Antonio Holmes? I mean, it's, it's a business, and Mike got to take care of his business at the end of the day. You know, um, a lot of people. I'm not saying myself, but just, you know, fans and people are upset at Mike Wallace because he's not here at camp. But it's a business at the end of the day. You know, there, there's money involved. So the business has got to be taken care of before, you know, he decides he want to come out here on the football field. So um, he'll take care of that part. But just in the meanwhile, you know, we're just going to focus on and worry about the people that's here. And Mike Wallace take care of his business. And, um, you know, Antonio Brown and Manuel um, Sanders, uh, they, they've been doing a great job so far here in training camp. So uh, you have to work with what you got. You can't worry about who's not here. Um, and me and Mike are good friends. But like I said, you know, Mike got to take care of his business. And when he feel like his business is right, uh, he'll be here to, um, to come help out the team. But it seems like it's easy to say that. But is it a distraction at all? Uh, no, it's not a distraction around here. Uh, I was in a similar situation last year, but I didn't, I didn't hold out. Uh, but it's not a distraction. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a distraction around the team because we're still out here. We're, we're practicing every day. Uh, we still got to go out here and play in preseason games. We still got to get ready for a season. And the other, and no matter who's here, when the season rolls around, we still have a football game. So that's just how it plays out. He doesn't have time to be distracted, right? He's busy <laughs> with his studies, don't you know? Uh, Lamar, let's say you say we're here and we got a game. Let's say the Pittsburgh Steelers did not exist, though. Who would be your pick, Baltimore or Cincinnati, to win the AFC North? Um, I mean, of course it would be Baltimore. I mean, because, you know, we have similar defense. They play mm-hmm. hard-nosed defense um, there in Baltimore. So, of course, that uh, they would be the favorites. What about uh, in the AFC in general? Who do you think if, again, this is, uh, you know, let's I, I assume the Steelers are going to the Super Bowl in your brain this year, correct? But you but you saying that if the Steelers wasn't a team? Yes, like they're not a team now. This is this is well, this is a, a um, hypothetical. I think is what they taught me in college. Let's say that uh, that in the AFC there is no Steelers. Who goes to the Super Bowl this season? Uh, my top two teams would be the uh, would be the the New York Jets. Whoa! Or the, or the Baltimore Ravens, just because I mean. Just the type of defense I'm, I'm looking at. I always look at defense, and uh, and those two teams has has great defenses. You know, uh, the Jets have a great defense all around, and Baltimore have a great defense all around. So when you have when you have teams with, with great defenses, those are usually the teams that they usually come out on top. Tell me you're not buying into the Tebow hype because that's what I'm hearing right now. You're picking the Jets. He's come talking on. defense still. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking defense. I, I never, I never uh, focus on. I think one one guy don't make the team. You know, even when you know, I'm not taking his name from Tebow, but when you go back and you look at the the Denver game last year, we lost. I mean, that defense went out there and played played a a great game. Their defense was better than our defense that day. 
so, you know, one guy doesn't doesn't make the team. And, you know, I always admire the Jets defense just because, you know, I have friends on that team. You know, Dave Harris is on that team, a linebacker I played at Michigan with. And, you know, they have, they have a great defense, and then I like watching them play. At that, so after the Denver game, which we touched on earlier, then you come home, the season opener, and Hines is against those Jets. What sort of, um, uh, you know, Dick LeBeau and company, what do you guys, do you think you're going to have to approach this differently? Because it's not just Mark Sanchez, the passer you have to get ready for, but it is also the the Wildcat or whatever they decide to call it when Tebow gets under center there. Any difference in approach there? No, I mean, we're not we're not going to change our approach. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they'll change their approach, but, I mean, we're not changing our approach. We're coming after the quarterback and, uh, we're planning on getting some turnovers and putting our offense in the best field position to put points on the board. So we're not we're not changing what we do here. All right, excellent, Lamar Woodley. Uh, you're a busy man. We appreciate you making time for us. What do you do? I mean, I guess you're busy studying, but do you go to the movies or what do you do in Latrobe in the downtime? I mean, there's really no downtime. Really, you know, usually in the morning we have walkthrough practice, and after that, at two fifty-five um, afternoon practice starts. And all our fans is out here, and you know we eat lunch. I mean, we eat dinner after that, and uh, we have meetings. And pretty much after meetings, it's time to go to sleep. So you don't really have time to do anything. So that's my day. I can't believe. Well, I can't believe you have time to to sit down and write an autobiography. By the way, if you'd like to, I'm not saying that you need to do this, but if you would like to give it a, a better, a more public viewing, we'd love to run the Lamar Woodley autobiography on the NFL.com. That would be a great lesson for the kids out there. No, I, I, I still, I still have a, a lot I need to add in, into this. It's not, it's not completed yet. I see. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to throw it out there. There's still a lot of work need to be done to it. Well, I think Dave could help you with some editing if you need it. If you want that expertise too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I like where Lamar's head is. What he's saying, Rank, is mm-hmm. that the story is not yet fully written. There's right. still, you know, there's post NFL, but even before that, we get to that, we still have at least two or three more rings to put on Lamar's fingers, right? Exactly. That's yes. what it's all about when you get into this league. Well, wow. I, I still like the idea that he's going to turn in an autobiography and, the, and it's going to be a page turner because Professor is going to be interesting because he's had such an interesting life about going to the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowls. And then the next paper he reads is going to be about some kid's life working the counter at Starbucks in Ab Arbor, like a completely different, just opposite thing. <laughs> Your rank's weird. Ignore him. <laughs> uh, ignore him, Woodley, and focus on the season. All right, listen. Um, again, appreciate the time. Good luck with the uh, with the paper you just turned in there and everything else, and uh, hope we uh, can catch up with you down the line. All right, y'all take it easy. All right, you too, Lamar Woodley. What a delightful fella. He's a great guy. I like him a great I deal. I enjoy him, yes. Yes. And you you might remember, Rank, mm-hmm. I did about um, a year ago on my talking ball, my hard-hitting interview segment <laughs> yes. that I do with football players. Because yeah. uh, you know how it is. There's no no question is out of bounds when we Except do that. Except some stuff. Well, some things, yes. But, I mean, there is no question that's out of bounds right. besides, you know, some some stuff. Well, there's like some you. things. Yeah. There's some things, you know. Yes. But, but nothing, you know, nothing's out of but bounds. But nothing's out of bounds right. when, when, when I sit down with these guys. We sat down and we did one of those hard-hitting interviews, and uh, and so we'll put that up for you at uh, davedamashek.nfl.com. But seriously, you- though, wouldn't you feel bad if you're a student in his class and you're like, oh, wait, Lamar Woodley's in my class and he's got this great tale? Well, <laughs> worse than that is being the professor. Yeah. What kind of creep professor wouldn't give him an A, just rubber stamp an A, you know? 
might I be would, unsatisfying for Lamar to know that the teacher didn't he's actually. He's not reading it. He's like, oh, Lamar Willie, A. He's been in three or four Pro Bowls. <laughs> not your best work, Lamar. Yeah, Try again. I expected a little more. Guys, what you guys think about him saying he's a sports counselor? I thought that was pretty interesting, no? So he's a, his degree, and then I guess his master's is going to be in sports counseling? That's what he said. Listen, here's what we do with Lamar Woodley. See if he can come back on the show on a on a periodical basis, and we will have him provide sports counseling. Wouldn't this be? Wouldn't it be great to have a guy who's on the inside? He's living it, and he has a degree to provide some professional uh, insight to this. You know, Mark Sanchez, this poor sap. You know, he's been in two AFC title games, but now he's getting beaten up by everybody, including us, but more importantly, the New York Jets fans. And how's it going to be in three weeks or in six weeks when Tebow's even more of a hero because he scores some last-minute touchdowns that Sanchez sets him up to score by taking them from 120 to the other 20, and then uh, and then Tebow will swoop in and vulture those touchdowns in the red zone, and he'll be the hero and the toast of Manhattan. What's Sanchez's psychology going to be? I don't know. I'll tell you who will know. Lamar Woodley. He'll yeah. be able to help Woodley, him. Yeah. Hey, that team just lost two games in a row by 40 points. They've got to be shattered souls. Not after Lamar Woodley gets so, done with So them. Woodley beats the Browns on Sunday, and then Monday morning he's got Pat Shermer on the phone to him. And, that's right. And, and Woodley's helping him through the through the loss. Yeah, Brandon Whedon is, you know, he's right. a, you know, suddenly he, a, you know, a, he's a got the shakes. Man, yeah. yeah, he's a, he's like a he's like a Vietnam vet. You know, every time he hears a a, a, a firework go off, he he, right. he starts. You know, and the like, first thing he does he Monday morning is call Woodley. <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. I think that'd be good. Yeah. Even if we can't even get uh, the guy, the other guys on the line, we'll just say what he would say to them. Right. And we right. could, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Good idea. All right. Well, so sports counselor. All right, very good. Let's, uh, oh, this is good news. We, tomorrow, we're not done uh, spinning this week with the podcasts. We're going to be yapping with uh, one of Chad 85's close friends, professionally at least, from the Cincinnati Bengals uh, and Carson Palmer and uh, and, and those um Sometimes glorious years. T.J. Hushmanzada, great talker, open talker. I expect that he's going to bring it. I don't think he's going to pull any punches, um, even when it comes to something as serious as what his old pal is doing. So, Could this uh, be the first DDFP Part 2? Why can't it just be another one? It's its own. It'll On be Thursday, it's still Chad 85 business. Why don't we make it 85 Part 2? I mean, I it's guess history. we could I'm trying to that. make history here, guys. That's, That's interesting. I mean, you're, you're thinking outside the box, I guess, but you're still cut from my team. Now, well, we'll think about that. Either That's way, like the be- guy, like, do you think the guys who get cut, like, oh, before I go, here's some plays you can run. <laughs> I really, based on the talent that I saw out there, I really think that this is a play that, that's going to succeed. And all of a sudden, they co- well, um, hey, man, maybe you could stick around for another week or so. You know, give me the uh, give me seventy two in here, Hatchet Man. We'll get rid of him instead. Um, all right, so we. Uh, oh, hey, before- wait, I'm seventy two. Ooh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> Awkward. Hey, uh, um, uh, let's quickly take care of uh, the thing we do at the end of every episode, which is naming the player who wore the episode number best. We are on 85. I don't think we can give it to the former Ocho Cinco. I think we have to. Come on. I mean, he's had a terrible week. Let's try and let's the first half of the week's been awful. Let's give him a bit of a bounce back after Wednesday. Hank, I'm going to tell you something right now. There's about, what, four feet of linoleum <laughs> between us. I might take you. I might not. But if we give this to Chad Ocho Cinco over who it belongs to, we're going to find out if I can. Wait right. a second. Wait a second. He's bluffing. First of all, I don't know that that would be the proper um, the proper approach to whatever 
Chad's going through right now to to reward him in this way. I, if we could get Lamar Woodley back on the line, maybe he could provide he some insight that, that no, that you want him to feel what he's going through right, right now because it's it's what he needs to really turn the corner as a human being. Eighty five. All right, who do you want to get it? Just don't play games. I don't know who you're talking Jack about. Jack Youngblood. Oh, I'm sorry. I, that that is Youngblood. embarrassing that I couldn't think of that. I was thinking, wait, Henry Ellard was number eighty. Who was eighty five? All right, you're right. Drew <laughs> Hill. What was Drew Hill when he was there? Eighty one. No, he was eighty five. Wait, no, he wore eighty five with the. With the Oilers, I'm trying to remember if he wore 85. So he would have had to have taken it. He had to be 86. 85. That's well, weird. Are there no great 85s? Well, I was at Jack Youngblood notwithstanding. Lamar, one Lamar of Chad Johnson's, um, Chad Johnson's predecessor in 85 in Miami, Mark Duper. Mark oh, Duper all right. I Lamar think that's Lundy. the right way to go. I think that will send the message that to, we take another 85 from the Dolphins. You don't no. even have the four foot of linoleum in between you two yeah, uh, to stop rank. You know that he's, I, he's going young blood. All right. Yeah, all I, right. We'll do it for him. All right. We'll, we'll do it for rank. We'll do it for rank. We're um, making a lot of concessions. Well, right. I wasn't here for 74 and 75, so... For some reason, it wasn't Merlin Olson and Deacon Jones. All right. Anyway, so uh, we'll be back. Be on the lookout. And uh, it's already, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably Thursday. Well, guess what? You're going to have another podcast to enjoy, including the uh, the words and insight of TJ Hushmanzada and a bunch of other Hurrian applesauce. We're going to talk with the Around the League guys for another one of uh, their head-on debates. And so we'll uh, we'll address that. And whatever whatever else comes to mind, more Hurrian applesauce to come in the meantime. Thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.